Three, two, one, clap. Wait, you can't say three, two, one, and then clap, and then have a wait for a clap. That's four, three, two, one, clap. Oh, well. Want to do one more so you can cut everything else off? That would be great. Okay. So right. are we going to well, do three, two, one, clap, actually, just, or three, two, one, it. clap, then clap? Let's try this. Instead of counting, can you see my fingers? Yeah. Okay, let me do... Let's do it visually and see. Nope. <laughs> Luna, it seemed like you took a long time to make that clap. I had to clap. Yeah, I had there one was... hand up. Okay, let me do one hand up. Okay. <laughs> this okay, this is not again. a good system. <laughs> this is so stupid. It doesn't. You know what? I'll. This will be my cross to bear. No, I, I, I think this. this is how Hollywood does it now. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, let's go. Okay, well, this week I wanted to talk about uh, ideas. And before I actually get started, what threw me was I wanted to talk about something that wasn't writing related. I wanted to talk about something that was more just idea creativity so that's why i was kind of stumped and why my readers were not much not much help so um <laughs> but there was a lot of interest in hearing bad ideas which was was really exciting right like oh the ideas that didn't make it so, that's great because we have so um, many of them and we are sharing them they're piling up exactly exactly so anyway this week i wanted to talk about um linus pauling said the best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas and you all know linus pauling he uh showed us the importance of the alpha helix and beta sheet in protein secondary structures oh i knew that name right? sounded familiar yeah 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 yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, proto, yeah, the, yeah. The, the beta protein um structure guy he's my favorite peanut i'm so glad that they included him in that too because we all need a linus you know yeah, so I didn't know who he was either, but I um, I looked him up and he has two more Nobel prizes, Nobel prizes than I do. So they are noble. Yes, he, he has five Nobel prizes, Ben. Wow, that's a <laughs> lot. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, um, but I, I have always loved that quote: "The best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas." And I think it's very apt for something we're calling a billion bad ideas. Um, so we all have lots of ideas. We're proving that with this whole thing by sharing the bad and the good. But I wanted to talk this week and ask you guys, um, how do all the ideas generally start for you? Like, not where do you get ideas? Because if I was being honest, I'd just steal all mine. But <laughs> how does an idea start for you? Does it is it um, is it an image? Is it problem solving? Do you have a little personal brainstorm? You know, just uh, inspiration sparked by conversations or, I don't know, Clayton, where do your ideas start generally? God, why did you, that's a, such a hard question to start off with. You, like, where's the warm up question that. <laughs> oh, I'm building to something. God, for me, I think it, it's a little different every time, but the, I think the through line for, for most of my ideas are really visuals. I, I picture something, usually like some, a scene basically that I want to work on and then kind of flesh it out from there. So if I think about Apocalypticon, when I wrote that book, the only, when I started, you know, kind of conceptualizing the only actual part of the book that I knew, the whole story that I knew was the end. I had the vision of Patrick sitting 
at, you know, in Cinderella's castle, like looking out over the park and eating his pudding and reading a letter, which I guess is a spoiler for everyone who hasn't read that book. Uh, but um, I, that was, that was really, that was the whole point of the idea. And, but I, but it also, something must have led into that. Like, you don't just like wake up and be like, God, I have this vision of some <laughs> sad person in the apocalypse sitting in Disney World and, and eating pudding. So, um, I don't know. I have to think about. It. I need. I need Luna to take some time here so I can think yeah. about how the how the ideas kind of spawned. But the first solid thing that in, that is an like an actual idea that I recall is is always some sort of visual, um, and usually in the form of like a, a, a God, what's the I, a vignette? It's not. It's not a vignette. It's not portmanteau, but it's like portmanteau. A trope. No. <laughs> You know, and you like a look, and there's a, a vista. <laughs> there's like a whole set. No, see, this is not helping. <laughs> it's a delusion. Uh... All right, Luna, you take over. I'm going to Google something real quick. Okay. I'll be back. <laughs> I know exactly how mine come, but I didn't really think about it until you asked the question. I really just sort of, um, and I have a lot of different ideas because I do more than write. I draw, I do music, I do um, like all sorts of creative things. But now that you now that you have us thinking about this, every idea that I have comes. This will sound weird, but whatever. It's almost like jumping on a carousel that's in motion already. I can I dip into the idea as it's flowing, and I see a line or I see an image, and it really does shift between disciplines. So if it's music, and I have an idea, it's an idea that I hear already playing. It doesn't start and it doesn't end. It just sort of washes in almost like a radio station that's kind of coming in and not staying with visual stuff. It's the same thing. It will be an idea that I see being drawn itself or kind of fleshing itself out in color. And then it kind of fades, fades away. And with the story, it will be a line or two lines, either dialogue or description that kind of come in that suggests the whole thing. And it sort of announces itself to say, here's, here's the kernel. And then from that, I'm able to pick up all the details that I need for the rest of the thing. The one time that I can remember this happening the clearest was after I wrote Joe Vampire. And I said, oh, I wonder what I'll write next. I was just sort of sitting on the couch thinking about, you know, what the next thing would be. And I knew I didn't want to write a sequel because that had been done to death. And we were in Twilight Times and everything was, you know, a vampire sequel. So I thought, okay, I need a different idea. And the name of the character who was key to the story of a second Joe vampire came into my head. And then, and this has never happened before. I saw the timeline of the entire book play out forward and backward from when that character is introduced. And unlike Clayton, I know enough not to spoil the book in case people haven't read it because it's a pretty clever character, I think. And it was, it wasn't clever enough for me to say, yeah, I want to write a second story because now I can see where this character's life would go next but this other character it was almost like a um cinemascope like a, an old-fashioned movie theater and i actually wrote that in the story when he's you know kind of introduced that i could see what would happen from that point going back to the beginning of the story and i could see what would happen f going from that point to the end of the book and it was the first time i've ever had like a pure idea come all at once from the middle flowing out to the sides and so I knew at that point, you, when you get an idea that's that solid, you kind of think I would be stupid to struggle to find something else to do. I might as well 
kind of jump in and see where this goes. But that that same that same idea of picking up on almost like listening to a conversation or seeing something that seeing a flash of a movie, all of my ideas come in that little half already in motion way. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm stealing somebody else's something in my head without realizing that I'm doing it. That very convenient. That's (laughs) lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Especially having the whole book come to you all at once. That's nice. That was the best. That's never happened again. I've always wanted it too, but it never did. Just just that once. I'll (laughs) bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice and convenient. How about you, Clayton? uh, I'll come back to you. I was muted. I was <laughs> I muted myself while I was googling this, and I was been trying to tell you that I found the word for the last like thirty <laughs> seconds, and I was wondering why you didn't react when I shouted it into the microphone. <laughs> tableau! It's tableau. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. Uh, so Luna, I apologize. I didn't hear anything that you were saying okay. because I was engrossed. Do you know how hard it is to Google the definition of a word you don't know how to describe? <laughs> it's anyway. Uh, tableau. So I see a tableau in my head. Which uh, is 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 kind of how it works for all of my my ideas. I get the vision, and it's the whole, you know, kind of three di- mentally speaking, three dimensional set piece. And I see the people, and I see the what they're doing, and then the the trick is just getting there and fleshing out the story that gets us there. That makes sense because you're a theater minded person, so that that environment sort of presents itself as how your ideas show. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like yeah, Luna, you've got a background in music and art, and it all kind of comes to you together in motion yeah and, and quite and you've got a theater background so you see it as a as a set piece as a the, the stage setting almost right or a yeah, tableau absolutely. would be a good word for <laughs> tableau it as well. is, tableau. Uh, is obviously word. without question the word yeah and yeah and i knew that was a hard question which is why i wanted to ask you guys and not myself so that was how uh, about you ben how do yours no come? that's that's why i just asked you no it, it's it's very different every time it is uh, i think it, I definitely see things as a scene, as a like a, as a set piece, more like a. Would you say like a tableau? Not like a tableau, more like a like portmanteau. Uh, you know, it's, it's sad. It's almost like a a, a playset, like a Star Wars playset from the from the eighties, <laughs> right? Like what was the scene they made into the toy? And I, I you know, that's it, again talking about like your your backgrounds, music and art, and Clayton, you've got a theater background. Mine was nothing but like just movies and toy commercials and cartoons from the 80s and it's uh it's i do see it that way a lot you can look at some of the things and go it's be fun if this happened and there was this thing and that thing and you can kind of structure a story around it but then sometimes it'll just come from a silly phrase or a name like i you know i know a lot of people are like oh you don't you don't title your book until the end and sometimes like the the title of the book was the whole the beginning of it all so it's uh it definitely comes in 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 different ways like um i'm starting to dabble in 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 the art as well and a lot of the ideas are coming from just weird combinations of um traits and animals kind of thing or kind of generating the ideas there so um it, it's just interesting because i we've never really talked about how that how we each kind of came to the you know came to the ideas for our books and and different different endeavors so um so that's how we get lots of ideas then uh, I was going to say, what was what um, Stephen? What was the thinnest idea that ever became something? Like, because not everything's a solid thought. But what did you? Is there anything that was just like just half an idea that you kind of molded into something else, and you felt there was enough of a kernel there to keep on going? That's interesting because usually the thin ones just go in the notebook for later for when they kind of 
come to the front of the list and they say, hey, I have more to say. So I don't know that I can even think of one that was thin enough for me <laughs> to want to continue to work on it. It's really, mm-hmm. and every, I think everybody does this. I think I just saw Dolly Parton on TV the other day. She wrote a book with James Patterson. Um, and while he was writing the book, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. She, while he was writing a book that he had an idea for about a country singer, she wrote lyrics to seven songs and they're releasing the book and the CD together. And they both kind of mesh almost like a musical <laughs> in a novel. But she was talking about writing things down on gum wrappers and writing on sticky notes. I was a big sticky note person. All of my thin ideas are like two or three words that when I go back to them, I have no idea <laughs> what I was what I was <laughs> trying to say. The ones that stand out that were one or two lines are the ones that had enough kind of vibrancy when those two words came to me for me to look at them again and say, oh, I know exactly what that was. And that's what I want to do. When I was writing um, the very first novel that I wrote, which was uh, a fantasy for kids, I think that one was probably thin to begin with. And it came, the original idea came as an adult novel when I was 20. And I wrote down a bunch of lines that um, I forced them into an idea because I just wanted to see if I could do it. But they were nothing. They were, when I go back and look at them, I'm like, how did I ever put this together? That makes no sense. But I kept pushing on them and pushing on them until I could see them better and said, you're going to grow, you're going to grow into something because I, I like this idea too much to let it go. What, which book was that? It's called lore. I've never, um, revisited it after I started writing for adults more. Um, I've looked at it. I've thought about going back and starting it again, but it was just a, now that 15 years have passed, that was the one that got the attention of the agent that was going to, you know, possibly be like the start of something for me. But, um, There have probably been about 100 stories in that same vein that have been done so much better than what I was doing with that, that I'd be afraid to say, hey, 15 years later, I finally put my book out. And everybody's like, yeah, we've read this before. So maybe someday that'll happen. But now if I went back and looked at it, it would probably look like a thin idea again. I just put it back in the pile. How about you, Clayton? Is there anything that was just felt like nothing to begin with and grew into something big? I think, to be totally honest, I think most of my books have been thin ideas. And like Luna, I have a, a, a you know a notebook full of also thin ideas. But um, to, I think really, like I said, like with Apocalypticon, I had one idea for how the ending would go. I didn't have any idea how it would get there. It was, I mean, that's thin, right? And now it's going to be a five book series. Um, so I don't, I, I think it's, you know, people. Well, why do you think you held on to that idea? Why do you think that that one wouldn't let go? And you felt like building something more around it. I don't. I, it's a good question. I think um, I know. So it was my first published novel, and I wanted to. I know I wanted to do something with the uh, like a post-apocalyptic um, setting because it's just something that I, I I was drawn to. And when I had that idea of the the tableau in mind of of, of how it ends, to me, like the juxtaposition of post-apocalyptic stories. And, you know, the humor I wanted to bring to it and also this really what right off the bat was a really emotional ending. I thought that that whole juxtaposition really spoke to me. Um, Terrible, terrible despair, end of the world nonsense, plus humor that I wanted to write, plus this like really actually emotional tie 
that was the formula that it was to me was like, I don't know if this is going to be good, but it's worth, it's worth me exploring it. And I think that's kind of the case for all my books. I think about Naakua too. I really just wanted to write a story about Hawaii. Like I, you know, when I visit Hawaii, I love it. It's such a, and I, I love it the same way everyone else who goes there loves it, but also the, the mythology there and the history really speaks to me and it feels like a really magical kind of mystical place, which you know is probably true for everybody. I wanted to make that into a story and I had no idea what it was going to look like. Um, so I just started writing it and it was super thin. I was like, I don't know where this is going to go. And like, as I'm writing, I'm researching the mythology of Hawaii and just, it was a really fun exploration because I got to, as I got to learn things that excited me, I got to put them into the book in a new, exciting way. And it was cool. It was kind of like, you know, building a bridge as you learn engineering, which is not something I think I would recommend, but for, for writing fiction, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty safe thing to do. So I, for me, I think most of my ideas are really thin. I almost never, if you think about like plotters versus pantsers, I almost always write by the seat of my pants, which is not very, it's not great for being productive when I plot things out and outline them. I can write very quickly otherwise it takes me like several years to write a book but i like the idea i like pantsing because i like exploring the story as i write it so most of my most of my work has been thin and to me that's part of the joy of even writing a book it's interesting you talk talk about hawaii like that like um as i get deeper into my series too a lot of it's like the new locations like i've had one in durango and i had one book in um Niagara Falls and I wanted it to happen in Niagara Falls because according to vaudeville that's where revenge happens and it was a revenge tale and I wanted to throw someone off the falls like that was pretty much the only reason I wanted to place it there but once it got into explore the area once I started looking around you're like oh my god there's a lot of wax museums up here I should write a wax museum scene you know they should um, run into that and that ended up become some some fun stuff so that's yeah. That's that's a lot of the fun is exploring uh, exploring the idea, I guess, and building it. You know, when people ask, you know, where do ideas come from? I think place is a really big source of inspiration. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. Anomaly Flats takes place in basically you know Ozark, rural Missouri, because like that's where I grew up, and it's like it's a fucking fascinating part of the world. Um, and just if you're in tune with the place around you, if it if it's interesting to you, that can spark so many ideas that can spark so much and you know thin or not it's just you know every idea i think is worth chasing down mm-hmm. and some of them are you chase down you think well this was a terrible idea and uh, i'm going to abandon it right here but some of them you just like you know what this is fun and it's good and i like it it's enjoyable for me if no one else and i'm gonna i'm gonna run with it that's that's a great segue to the next question i have um is how do you decide if something is a good idea or if it goes into the pile of another billion bad ideas. <laughs> Your questions are so much better than my questions were last week. I, <laughs> well, I thought we needed to improve on that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm curious because, like, again, like, I think I really, going back to where we started, I think that so much of finding the idea that won't let you go is a matter of throwing away a shitload of ideas. I mean, you're, you're for everyone you you grab a hold of and take – take forward you've probably left a thousand behind whether you even realize it or not but i know there's ideas i can't think of one off the top of my head which would be just great and for this podcast but um like there's ideas where I've, I've played with them probably too long or just like oh there's it's such a fun thought but i just know it's not gonna 
it's not going to be long enough for a book or it's not going to be even a story or something like that. So I'm just wondering if you guys had a process for evaluating an idea, whether it's worth taking forward or, you know, just putting it in the notebook for later. I think they do that for us. I think ideas will tell you that they're big enough by staying in your head long enough to show you more of what they're all about. They're almost like kids. I mean, it's almost like having a room full of kids and you know that everybody's making noise, but there are a few whose voices you can kind of tune into and the things they're saying make sense more than the rest of the noise. And so they end up standing out and they eventually come forward and they grow they grow quicker than the other kids. So their heads are standing up above the crowd and you can say, I can hear you. It's a character that you can't let go of. Like, I need to know what happens to this person next. And it's selfish. Like it's it, a lot of times it's not, Hey, I want to put this in a book and give it to somebody else. It's like, I want to know myself what I can make this person do, or, you know, why did it suggest itself to me? Something, you know, in my past that I saw that I just kind of filed away that suddenly, you know, a man in a bowler hat with a, with an umbrella that shoots bullets or, you know, whatever it is that has been germinating in your head while you collect other information about other things and it assembles itself and then it makes its voice heard and you say, okay, you've got something interesting to say and I can't stop thinking about you. So let me sit with you for a little while and see if you can tell me something really strong enough for me to be able to take forward without losing time or wasting time. I mean, that's a big thing because we have so many ideas. You have to sort of, you have to prune the, you know, the garden and say, I love you. You sound like you're going to be really great, but I'm going to have to let you go for now because you're just, you don't have enough legs to walk with me. This other one is practically, you know, half finished just by thinking about what it's going to be. And that's probably lazy, but I also tend to believe that the strongest ones have been written by you in your head or created by you, whatever it is they're they're you're going to do the mental work either awake or asleep and if you're asleep and it's happening for you subconsciously you'd be a fool not to grab that idea and kind of flesh it out as much as you can consciously um because there's a lot there's a lot of depth and a lot of meaning in what you're doing while you're not actively putting the idea in front of you um that mean you know that really means something and i get the feeling there are a lot of people out there who second guess themselves when those things happen and say, no, this isn't good enough. Or I need to be sitting here slaving away. I need to be suffering for my art in order for it to be valid. Um, I need to join the people on Twitter saying, oh, 500 words, that's a day. Am I right? Instead of saying, you know what? It just threw itself out. And I, I wrote, you know, 2000 words and the idea was okay without me having to feel like I need to suffer. You know, I need to struggle with it. Um, I think that's unfortunate because I think there's probably a lot of valid stuff out there that people just don't trust themselves enough to say, yeah, no, this is good without me having to, you know, go get an MFA. No offense to anybody who has an MFA, but um, that those to me, those are the ones that you're like, yeah, we're cooperating. (laughs) Your brain is cooperating with you consciously and subconsciously. And then, you know, okay, even if this is a thin idea to start with, it's, it's running now. So let's go with it. I think that's a good point. Even in, um, my old day job of working on, um, working on ads and writing copy for ads, you'd, you'd look at the brief, you'd sit with it and then you'd ignore it. You'd let it sit, think of something else for a day. And 
that wasn't the wasted time that it looked like. Right. You know, like it's still it's still um, mulling around in the back of your head, it's still percolating. And then when you get back to it, oh, you sit down and it comes a lot easier because you've considered it more than you even yeah. realized you have. If you sat down and just started to try and dive right into it, yeah. it you know, yeah, it's 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 it can be frustrating, and that's that. Oh, well, this, this, it's supposed to be hard. Well, yeah, if it's if it's easy, accept it. Yeah. It's that's yeah. a that's a good you're, day. You're really so. programming. Um, I think that's that's an awakening for people. I think a lot of people don't realize. And that's why a lot of people do say, how do you even do this? Because they just have no clue where it starts. They've they've not been permitted, really, or encouraged to, hey, have you ever had an idea that you just kind of wondered about? And it just kind of, you know, you just kind of let it grow in your head. Or, you know, you experimented with just because it was there. Did you ever kind of notice that? I really get the feeling that there's a societal norm that says shut down the daydreaming. When people don't realize that the daydreaming is actually not everything is mechanical work. Some things are mental work. Mm-hmm. So that when you finally do need to put the mechanics to it, it's you know it's it's half developed at least. It it I don't know that it can be taught. Maybe it can be taught. I think it can definitely be encouraged in people. And I really feel like I, I think it happens automatically. Yeah. I think it yeah. It's just you gotta you gotta trust that process. Yeah, like that's even, exactly right. You have to be taught to to trust and to allow that. Um, you have everybody everybody can have a valid idea you know there's no there's no special magic to it necessarily other than that you listened to your idea and you let it you know kind of turn into something and um that's what i try to encourage my kids to do is you know don't don't ever shut off your head to those sorts of things because those are opportunities that are given to you and you should um you should treasure those value those yeah i agree completely what about you clayton I actually sort of reject the premise of the question. Um, <laughs> How dare you? And I, but I think if you're thinking about, you know, what ideas become good or which ideas are good ideas, which ones aren't, I actually don't think there's such a thing as a bad idea and not like in an inspirational, like follow everything kind of way. Like in a real way, there are so many works of really wonderful art that are terrible ideas. Like waiting for a Godot is a terrible idea for a play. It's two people who just stand on stage and talk to each other while they wait for someone who never shows up, right? It's the worst idea in the world, but it's not the idea that makes it bad or good. It's how you tackle it. You can have a really terrible idea, but if your characters are really interesting and your dialogue is fascinating, if like you package it in a way that is really meaningful, that bad like plot idea doesn't have to matter. And sometimes it matters very much, but you can take a really bad idea and the idea then turns out isn't the plot right it's the idea is this these layers on top of the plot that's really interesting because that is maybe why people throw things away because they mistake the elevator pitch for the idea like the idea is deeper than that but all they hear is the three-liner that says no that's stupid let me let me get rid of it when really the core you know the emotional core is the idea they just didn't recognize it as the the idea itself i think so yeah i went we went and saw uncharted last week the new uh tom holland mark Wahlberg movie and i've decided that uh i finally can put a finger on what my favorite kind of movie is and that is a b movie with an a budget that is my favorite (laughs) kind of movie i like i I like the the tropes i like the tried and true but i like it executed well and slightly differently and that's you know like and i think when you're looking at creating something that if you're trying to market it that's 
what you really have to do. You have to create something familiar, but still well done and fun. Um, not the same, just, you know, somewhat familiar. Um, so yeah, the execution can certainly become the, the idea, the execution of an old idea is, has been done a million times. Just do it, just do it better. Just do it different. Just do it fun. But the idea at the heart of something is still, could still be the same. Like Clayton, you and I wrote the same book. We both wrote a post-apocalyptic comedy. Exactly. And they are not similar in any way. No, not at all. Even the humor is very different. They're both funny Mm -hmm. books, but in wildly different ways. I think, you know, in terms of, you know, so for me, the, uh, the process is kind of similar to what you've been talking about. Both of you is I will, if I have an idea, I'll spend my kind of process ends up being as I go to bed at night, I'll kind of think about plot lines and through lines and overall arcs. And if I can generate something interesting in that time, you know, over the course of, you know, weeks or sometimes months or years to me, if I can kind of map out a full novel length storyline to me, that's a good idea because writing a novel is really hard. Even when it's easy, it's hard work. It's a lot of discipline work and it's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a marathon, right? You guys know. So it's, if you have an idea and you flesh it out into a way that it can become a novel, that's a good idea for a novel. The only thing I think I would say is definitely a bad idea for any sort of novel is when you try to write something to market, you try to write something that is not what you want to write, but you think it'll be what other people want you to write or what the public wants you to write. And the best example, and I'm going to use names because that doesn't seem appropriate, but Luna and I worked once with um, a, a brand new writer a while back and she wrote a book that, you know, it was interesting in the sense that it was, it was what I would consider. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever actually read a book and be like, God, this is a bad idea. This might've been the first time. And this one was a bad idea, but it was because her book was about, um, it was basically a climate change story, right? Which is an important story to tell. And uh, the execution was whatever, but fine. So it was not, but a third of the way into the book, suddenly it became erotic fiction. And we, and it, you know, it didn't fit and it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't, you know, I, I don't want to say that we're the, the, the ones who get to decide what's good and what's not good, but it wasn't yeah. good. And so we, and we asked her, we were like, you know, Hey, <laughs> so we read the book and he read the manuscript. Here's our thoughts and blah, blah, blah. Maybe, what do you think about this? And it turns out she was writing her book that she wanted to write. And then when she got a third of the way through, she started reading 50 shades of gray. She started seeing the popularity of that book and some other knockoffs. And she thought, well, I can do that. And so suddenly it just became erotic fiction And in her case, it became like flip a switch, like suddenly, oh, oh, this is now (laughs) like there was no, you know, she didn't like go back and weave it into the story. I just just pictured, yeah, the them in the lab, like things are getting hotter. Yeah. And it was planets warming and things are getting hotter. And just (laughs) say, wow, it was jarring. Um, But again, you know, and, and you see that sort of thing from people who are chasing trends or chasing, you know, publishing contracts. I think if it's someone else's idea, it's a good idea for them but it doesn't mean it's a good idea for you. What are your ideas? Whatever ideas you have, they're good. They don't always necessarily need to be novels and you're going to work out whether or not it's worth doing the work to turn into a novel, whether the execution is good or the plot is good, whatever. You're going to be the one who determines that based on thinking it through. If you have an idea that is your idea though, it is automatically already a good idea because it speaks to you. I do think there's definitely some validity in writing to market, but it has to be something 
that you interest you're interested in to begin with. Like you just can't go. I'll just like you say, just I'll just throw some. I was I was saying something very important about what I believe about the climate, and then I'll just throw in a porn scene here or there. I don't think that works as much, but I, you know, and I've tried to. Uh, I think I probably mentioned even last time the one the one book where I kind of abandoned it was like I was writing something that was a very popular genre, and it wasn't something that I, I was enjoying the story and I was enjoying writing it, but it wasn't something like the post apocalyptic genre I make fun of because I've always loved it, I've always enjoyed it. It's been a guilty pleasure. Um, this was one where I felt like I was almost, it wasn't a genre that I'd, I'd always loved. So um, in, in writing it, I felt like I was almost being insulting to the fans as I was making jokes. Like the people that love that genre, I didn't want to put that out there going, oh, I'm, I'm making fun of any of them. Um, and it, it wasn't something for me. I, mean, I think if people like a genre and that happens to be a, a great genre right now, go for it. Writing the market makes a lot of sense financially. But I think it's it, it still comes down to if that idea doesn't grab you, it's probably it's probably not going to work. Um, yeah, I think if the market if the market catches up to you, that's the that's yeah, the ideal. If you great. try to catch yeah. up to the market, then you're not being true to to the to the ideas that you could so be writing. It sounds like both of you. It's purely the idea that drives forward. Like well, that that's what determines like whether you love the idea, whether the idea grabs you, is what. Um, is what determines whether or not you 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 take it forward or or let it go. Um, as I, I feel very much the same way. There there is there has been a few times though where it's been, is this something that'll sell? Has kind of entered into the equation for me. Like I've had I've got one character, um, Damien Stockwell. He's a parody of the pulp adventures of the 30s and 40s and unfortunately there's not a lot of people that uh read pulp adventures in the 30s and 40s that are still <laughs> they didn't make the transition to kindle or audiobooks you know it's um it's just not a character that, that i think a lot of people he's arrogant and that makes me laugh and uh, i think he's hilarious but i think a lot of people he rubs the wrong way and it's it's one that i've got i've got a half dozen ideas half plotted out that I will get to one day when I can afford to. But right now it's like, those are ideas that have to wait because I've got to write one that'll pay the bills for right now. And sometimes you have and, to make that decision, right? Like, I mean, I love yeah. your Damien Stockwell series. That's, I think that's my favorite series of yours. I um, think it's mine too. Right? It's, <laughs> it's it so fun. And I, I, but you know, if people, I think fans who sometimes kind of read your work are like, wow, where do you get your good ideas from? What's a good idea? And what's not? It discounts the notion that there are so many other good ideas. It's not the idea being good isn't the thing always that drives the finishing of a book, right? Um, I mean, I you know have a huge, huge, huge file of stories that I really hope to get back to someday. That all I think are really good ideas. They're just not the good idea. They're not the right ideas for right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you both have those files too. I'm sure every writer has those files. And I think it takes us back to the ideas. If you if you if you have them and you like them, they're good ideas. Which ideas are you going to focus on? Because you know, time is a finite resource, and uh, sometimes you need to do the ones that you know are going to make some money, and then hopefully bank that up so you can do the ones that are really speaking to you later. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, definitely it. Well, I think there's one question left, but I think we actually covered a lot of it. So um, maybe we we call it for the night. Let Clayton back to his uh, early bedtime for a flight tomorrow, right? But thank you. Uh, 
Yeah, but thanks, guys, because I, I I'm very curious. I mean, so much of this for for what we do, we do it alone, and you know, it is a lot of staring at the wall and brainstorming ourselves. And I was always curious where you guys got your ideas. Um, you know, so many of them I've loved so much that's and it just you know totally off the wall. Some of them um, are just like, what the hell did they get that? Like, you know. I, <laughs> As far as I know, he's never had a head injury, but I love this idea. Where did it come from? So it's it's really interesting to see that process. And I'll, I'll say both of you really surprised me with your answers, too. So that was uh, it was really good to hear. So thank you. Thank you for answering those questions. And I think this is a good time to say, too, as we're talking about ideas and the ones that don't quite make it. Um, part of the genesis of A Billion Bad Ideas was that we could have a place to not only have this podcast and these conversations, but um, a related space where we could share some of our ideas that we have abandoned or we hope to get back to eventually. And you can read those. And if you go to a billion bad ideas.com and sometimes that URL is wonky. So a billion bad ideas.substack.com is a safer one. But if you go there, you can check out, uh, I've been posting a lot of my work lately that I, you know, have been you know, half finished things, half cocked ideas. Some of the ideas that are definitely not going anywhere for very specific reasons. Um, Luna's posted a couple. I know Ben's going to share some too. So we're going to keep sharing some of our, our unfinished work, our abandoned projects or unhold projects. Um, not that they're bad ideas, but we're sharing some of that stuff there that you can't read anywhere else. So uh, if you're interested in that, check it out. There is a free version and there is a paid version. The free version obviously gets access to some things. Paid gets access to everything. It's like six bucks a month and we uh, will split that all evenly here. So that would be really helpful if that's something that is, that is interesting to, to any of you. I think sometimes the bad ideas are as much fun as the good ones. You can see why I they think didn't usually work. the bad ideas are more fun than the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly why you can't yeah. publish them. Well, that's why and that's why they didn't work, right? <laughs> Cuz that yeah. would be a hell of an idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks, man.